0: What is the cost of a priest actually standing up and doing what they, what we all want them to do? What if your priest, instead of shutting down churches or barring you because you refuse to wear a mask or refuse to get the vaccine, instead of barring you from entry, says, no, no, come on in. And what if that same priest, when presented with the same mandate from the bishop for all priests, saying you got to get vaccinated, otherwise you got to test all the time and wear a mask constantly, says... No, I can't do that. These vaccines are abortion tainted. My conscience won't allow me to, and therefore there should be no punishment for refusing an abortion tainted vaccine. I just can't do it. What are the consequences? You can see in this interview with Father Peter Williams who's facing those consequences, which are not only suspension, but also can include excommunication. This is the John Henry Weston's show. Stay tuned. Welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where we're very pleased to have with us, Father Peter Williams. Father, if you could lead us off with the sign of the Cross. In
1: the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Father. As I said at the beginning there, you're one of the few heroic priests who are willing to tell people it is what it is when it comes to the vaccine, the vaccine mandates, masking and everything else. If you could, Father, tell us a little bit about your story and where you're at currently.
1: We all went through lockdowns. Everybody knows that part of the story. I wasn't thrilled, but um, complied. Uh, It was uh, trying to respond in obedience to all of those things. Um, And then as time went by, I was very glad that things had opened up and our churches opened up. We could welcome more people in until the point where where we didn't have to worry about any of those things. And then just this fall, the bishop uh, sent a letter out to the priests and deacons Saying that we should all be vaccinated, we hoped we were all vaccinated. But if we, for whatever personal reasons, had decided not to be vaccinated, that we would then get tested every two weeks and wear a mask for all our ministries, uh, not just mass, but you know, on and on and on, whatever we did in terms of ministry, which is you know a good part of my life. And I just responded to him in a letter. He had written it out to all the priests, but I just personally responded to him. And then he said it was a matter of obedience. And then he said that he wasn't going to check, but it was a matter of honor. And so it it felt like he was sort of just hitting certain spots for me that that it was obedient. And I thought, well, if I could work my way around it, you know, with a mental reservation or this or that, but then he made it a matter of honor. And I thought, well, my honor demands that I respond to him personally. And so I wrote him a letter saying that that I felt like it was punishment, that, that, that we what we knew was that anybody who had been vaccinated could get COVID and could give COVID. And um, I felt that it was just unnecessary punishment for those of us who were not going to be vaccinated to wear a mask and get tested and all of those things.
0: Now, Father, who's your bishop and what diocese are you in?
1: I'm in uh, the Burlington, Vermont diocese and it's Bishop Christopher Coyne.
0: And, uh, you know, your communications with the bishop, were they in any way antagonistic or, uh, you know, less than respectful?
1: For me, I thought it was being very respectful. Later, my canon lawyer would tell me that some of my tones seemed to be a little bit brusque. And I, I thought, well, that's kind of the way that I am when I'm trying to tell somebody my own feeling or my own position. I might come across that way that. And so um, that certainly wasn't any uh, deliberate thing that I'm I'm trying to be rude or mean or anything like that. I was just trying to be clear that that this was a conscience decision on my choice on my part. And when I made that choice, it was, you know, after forming my conscience.
0: Now, this is a teaching in the church that we're able to follow our consciences. Uh, we're, we, we're supposed to hold them sort of supreme uh, after informing them, of course. Um, and yet your bishop seems not to respect that. Where, where are you at with him today? What's his... Um, you know, have you received any ramifications for your communications with him thus far?
1: Certainly. So once I responded to him, he got back to me with a canon lawyer, uh, the Vicar General of the Diocese who's a canon lawyer, and said that my penalty would be according to this canon. And if I didn't comply with him, I had 14 days to respond and to comply. And if I didn't, then they would follow this course. And as I said, I'm not a canon lawyer myself. And it was only after consulting a canon lawyer Uh, getting a canon lawyer uh, uh, for myself that I realized just how serious it went. The penalties went anywhere from suspension all the way to up to excommunication. And so I I, I thought, oh, yeah, exactly. And he was shocked that 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 was uh, those were the terms. And so then he responded in. I, you know, uh, so now the bishop is, and uh, his canonists are going back and forth. And so everything I have to do with the diocese now is is, uh, is through canon lawyers. Um, but then then the, 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 the next round, he asked me to resign. He thought it wouldn't be good for the people or, or myself or the people or whatever. And I thought, well, I'm working. I'm still working. And we're coming up on Advent and Christmas season and all that kind of thing. And if I were just to resign... And I haven't told the people anything. If I just to resign, that that would be bizarre and uh, strange, and uh, everyone would think it was, you know, some personal problem that I had or whatever. And so, so I didn't. I said no, I won't. Uh, I had my canon lawyer uh, convey that message and all of that. Then it just seemed that the, the ground sort of shifted, and saying that I was seriously ill and mentally ill and everything else, and so then I had to make a a video so that my message to my parishioners would be the same and have the same information and I wouldn't be struggling to do this several hundred times with each individual person that I would just do it once and get it out there and distribute the, the message and then my canon lawyer was advising me to get letters you know saying that I was functioning very well and didn't seem to have any health issues and to the best of their ability, it looked like I was normal or sane or whatever you want to say. So,
0: Well, Father, obviously, you're very well spoken. You seem very thoughtful. Um, that question seems to be uh, kind of ludicrous. But it is a sad reality today that many families are hugely divided into vaxxed and unvaxxed, into those who are pro-vaccine like crazy, ready to do as the stats show, we, we've seen uh, liberal stats from both America, from Canada, from Europe, where there's a whole segment of society ready to throw even their relatives uh, into jail. It's kind of a it's kind of biblical.
1: <laughs> I will tell you this, as a pastor and as a priest, a shepherd of souls, that um, I saw this long before COVID came uh, in terms of the divisions. So I, I would see families being. Divided and disintegrated on, you know, on the silliest of terms. You know, the, the crazy things would get in there, and I just I knew that it was, you know, uh, the enemy at work and getting into, you know, in the midst of us and dividing us one against another for whatever reasons. And then, of course, COVID hit, and everybody had uh, a seemingly good excuse, you know, to turn on other people or whatever, and so. As shocking as it is, um, it's not really surprising to those of us who are, uh, live in the spirit, you know, have have dealings with the, the spiritual realm. So.
0: Absolutely. So you're fighting this not only for yourself, for the go to the church. Um, explain that to us, if you will.
1: It's an interesting thing. I have no desire. Like people say, oh, they, some write me letters and say, some write me letters and nasty letters or whatever. i like, fine. I didn't consult them before I made a conscious choice. I didn't take a poll. I just knew in my own heart what I needed to do. But others are writing saying, "Thank you for being courageous." And I said, "Well, that's completely the Lord. I'm just stubborn, and the Lord is, you know, maybe making that stubbornness into courage. That's fine. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be used by the Lord, however you know He wants to to use me. Um, but but I I am aware that um, to to be honest, like um, when the churches were shut down, and and I was talking about this with my brother priests, pastors, and things, and we're saying, well, is that canonically correct? Can you do that? And one of the fellows had a seminarian living with him, and so he was st- still in contact with his canon law professor. And the canon law professor said that once the Pope had shut down churches in Rome and the Vatican itself had closed all those things down, that every bishop in the world could look at that as a precedent and had a right to close down their churches. And even though that was a frustrating answer to me, it sort of made sense to me. So then if you follow along to where we are today and the Vatican, you have to have a vaccine passport, the green pass or whatever it is, to get into the Vatican even, to go to work in the Vatican, to tour the Vatican, to do whatever. And then a priest, i am not a priest, but the Bishop of Luxembourg, and I'm, I apologize, I don't know his name, but I saw that in, in the news somewhere that, that he had said that uh, you had to have a passport in order to get into church. And I looked and I said, Well, th- that's the next thing uh, for my parishioners. Well, they're not going to close the churches, but they're going to say those parishioners who haven't been vaccinated. So when they said that I needed to be vaccinated or to do all of these things in order to comply, um, I thought, Well, I need to do this for the sake of my people. I, to be honest, I never in, in I had my my people's welfare in mind, but I never had other priests. I don't. I'm in a little parish in Vermont, and I don't think anything that I do will necessarily have great ripples across. <laughs> I'm 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 not a. I i am i am not just don't think in those terms or whatever. So it was simply my people that I was trying to protect. If this was going to come down the pike, I thought I have to make a stand here and say no. This is too far. You can't do
0: this. Father, you'd be surprised. I had a very similar conversation with Father James Altman, uh, who also told me that um, he was really looking after his positioners. That was his, his cause, first and foremost. Um, and, but this is the thing. I think our Lord uh, uses us beyond where we uh, feel called when we're doing what we should be doing. Uh, Saint Therese was, you know, cleaning the convent and uh, and praying for the priests that uh, she knew she should pray, pray for, and came to ask for prayers.
1: Some of the great saints of the church are the porters, you know, like uh, Saint Brother Andre from Montreal, and 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 they ended up being the the, the doorman or something. Um, uh, Saint Maria Faustina was in charge of the door for a while. She had other jobs as well, but she was in charge of the door for a while. So I always think that, you know, that. Sometimes the little ones you don't notice are the ones who who are doing uh, tremendous things and just in their in their place, you know.
0: Sometimes it is also those who push back that lead the way. Uh, in terms of coming also to freedom, um, there are many cases of priests. I'll, I'll give you a priest, uh, you know, example of a priest that I know that basically, you know, everybody was going along to get along with. Health authorities that threaten to shut down your parish if you don't insist on masks, saying some, if you don't insist on a vax passport or take everybody's name as they come in or deny Holy Communion to those wishing to receive on the tongue. Um, And and so there's been encroachment after encroachment after and many bishops have have caved in on this. So they're getting it from their bishops, too. And and so on. What do you do? And um, I had a priest who told me that basically what he did was he said, all right, shut us down. I'm not going to insist on masking and bar people who won't come into the church, won't mask from coming into the church because they have the right to the sacraments if you have to shut us down. And it was funny because this very vehement, you know, health authority said, oh, we, we don't we don't want to do that, you know, you know. But all of a sudden this priest had a freedom, whereas all the other priests, same diocese and so on. They don't have the same freedoms because he pushed back. So it's a, it's a very interesting thing. That doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And that's why we're seeing much of the, you know, many of the protests and so on go on. Because people know after time we have to push back because it's for our freedoms, for our, you know, good and the good of society. And here what you're doing for the good of the church. What are you hoping um, people take away uh, from this and, and how can they assist you?
1: You know, a couple of things. One is that people will become infer- informed about what the church teaches, about some of the things you mentioned. So what the church teaches about uh, your conscience, it's, it's not just kind of uh, uh, an authority. It is the supreme authority. Uh, and, and that's what the church teaches. It's the supreme authority. And of course, it has to be well-informed, and we count on the church, the sacraments, the scriptures. Uh, the teaching of the church and all of those things to, to inform us and be well informed. But that's paramount. And then from there in your conscience, then you move to important things like freedoms and that, that we have in the United States. And that I would hope people would have similarly around the world. But we know from the church teaching is that God gives us freedom. And the beautiful thing, and, and I've seen it many, many times um, in people's lives and also in my own life that God is a great respecter of free will. He is supreme, Lord of the universe, creator of everything. And he respects our individual choices, even though he may know that they're wrong. He respects them and allows them to play out with the consequences. And um, so that kind of freedom is where we come from. That's the, the image and likeness that we were made in and 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 so, if we understand that, and that's what we're all about, um, that we would then stand up for one another's freedoms as well and um, uh, then eventually, I would hope that, as you're saying, and it certainly wasn't my intention, but certain priests have contacted me and said various and sundry different situations and have said, "Thank you for being a witness. Um, I wish I could or I want to do that, or you know that kind of thing we need we need somebody to. To And as I said, that was not my intention. But if that's what's happening, and I'm able to encourage someone and to uh, give them uh, uh, sort of a lift and and uh, help them along the way in any of these areas, then that's what should be done. But first and foremost, I would encourage people not just to um, not just to go along with what seems to be the the line, the official line, but rather to do their own research and. Uh, shortly, I'm going to put up a video that I did was just teaching about bodily integrity and obedience to conscience, and you know that what what that means. And so that might help people. And then I have another video that's going to go up, and uh, all these things have to be edited. That were just I re- said that I would respond to people's questions, and so I'm going to answer their questions, even if, even at times when their questions are rude or whatever. <laughs> I I just feel an obligation to to answer their questions because they're you know somehow I've opened the can of worms and so I have to deal with it. So
0: what is your sort of take on the vaccine mandates uh, on the vaccines generally? Um, and uh, where do you think people are are at or should be at with regard to looking at it uh, from a conscientious perspective, from their consciences?
1: This time last year, I was writing in the bulletin. I wasn't actually present in my parish because this is the time of the year that I go on vacation I, and, um, but uh, I was writing them in the you know my thing in the, my little column in the, in the bulletin, and I was saying, we need to look very carefully at, at these vaccines, because if they're using the um, cells from aborted babies, um, either in the research and development or in the production or the testing and all that kind of thing, then we should really look at what's going on here. And then, as time has gone by, we see that there's been a lot of that. Uh, going on. And then we've had certain lab technicians that have come forward. And I don't know if you've had them on or other people have had them on, but I've certainly seen them. And and they talk about um, harvesting uh, tissue and what actually goes involved. And when you find out that it's vivisection, uh, I I was just appalled, horrified, disgusted. And, um, And the more and more that I've learned uh, certainly about how they produce these things what and, and where how they came about. I'm just not going to participate in that And uh, somebody says, well then I shouldn't do this or this or that I'm like, okay well let me look at that and let me research that and see how I can respond to that as well but um, this is a particular evil that comes that that we all thought we were going to be able to choose or not choose um, and freely choose or not choose and then all of a sudden it seems that the coercion, that's going on. And that's one of the lines I use in the teaching video. If you if you look at church teaching in Dona Vitae, it, it'll say that coercion um, is at, a, at the same level as like murder and, and genocide and those kinds of things. It's not the same thing, obviously, but it's on that level where you're talking about ser- very serious crimes against humanity, not just sins, you know, serious sins, like uh, gossiping about your neighbor in a terrible way or something or stealing a $1,000. But crimes against humanity, when you realize it's let, it's reached at that kind of level, I'm headed in the other direction, you know, kind of thing. I'm running the other way. I want nothing to do with this whatsoever.
0: Absolutely. Yet, as a priest, you're in a kind of a conundrum. The, the people are as well, because they're being forced out of their jobs. They're being forced out of, um, uh, it's sometimes out of society, depending on where they live. Uh, but You as a priest are confronted with this in a special way as well, because it's coming from uh, Pope Francis, who has said very clearly it's a moral obligation. The example of the Vatican, as you were talking about before, with the lockdowns, sure, but um, they've implemented themselves a, a type of Vax Mandate. Where uh, you know, in entrance to the museums or even to St. Peter's to look at it, not for mass per se, but, but to to go in and, and visit and, and pray even uh, before the relics, uh, but also uh, in terms of working there, they've implemented a vax mandate. so you know that from there come the bishops they're just, just moving down the line unless they're willing to stand up for the freedom of conscience of their priests they're they're also implementing this mandate, insisting upon it and wanting to force it upon the people. Very, very difficult times for you as priests as well.
1: That was the thing. Like, I wanted to be obedient and comply as much as I could because of all of those other reasons when people were saying, you know, they say to me all the time, why don't you just put a mask on? Why don't you just do this? Why don't you just get the vaccine? Why don't you just, you know, for the good of other people and all that kind of thing. And, and then, you know, so I, I was trying to do all of that trying to to do all of that. And I understand the priests and and we feel very torn. Many of us feel very torn about that. There are others who ready to comply and they have no problem with it and all that. Fine. When they go before God, they'll have a clear conscience. Um, um, But as I was, as I said, not my bishop and not my pope are going to stand with me and on Judgment Day, it's just me before Jesus. There'll be no excuse when he says to me, you knew better, but okay, they did whatever their conscience, um, but you knew better. And so, so, I'm, so I have to stand before God, uh, my conscience. And, but I see, I see priest, priests very much uh, uh, in that place. And uh, to use an image, and maybe it's too striking to people, I think priests are like, uh, especially the parish priests, are like caged dogs, and the bishop comes and beats them with a stick every once in a while to get them to comply with whatever he wants them to do. And then the people do the same. Uh, so we very we very much feel like uh, you know our parishioner, not all, but some of our parishioners are saying, "We want you to do this. We want you to do this. We want you to do this." And then the bishop says, "We want you." And, and priests are we're just in that place of service, and because we're in that middle position that, uh, so my heart goes out to many, many priests, and, and I, I'm not here to condemn any of them for you know uh, what, they, what they're choosing or not choosing to do. Um, it breaks my heart that, that many of them forced or compelled or coerced or whatever to get the vaccine, and I understand that there may be some serious health consequences to that, and so that's just, that's just
0: horrible. One difficult question for you, Father, uh, before we end off here. He said you don't want to uh, condemn other priests. There are a whole bunch of priests who are insisting upon vaccine mandates for prisoners coming to come into their parishes, that are insisting on masking, that are insisting on reception of Holy Communion only on the hand. Um, and therefore, there are a whole bunch of Catholics for whom their parishes are no longer a place of welcome, even though they're in a state of grace. What do you make of that? What do you say to those priests uh, and what do you say to those parishioners?
1: It's not what I do. It's uh, beyond my purview. Like, I cannot uh, uh, make policy or whatever for another priest and, and for another parish and all those things. It saddens me. I immediately think of Jesus from the cross Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And even though they may feel that they're very well informed and they know exactly and they've made the correct decision. And uh, I, I find it interesting that I'm willing to say that from my point of view, um, but they're not willing to say it <laughs> like, that, that uh, they're not willing to, to give uh, that same uh, uh, leeway to me or extend that same courtesy to me. Okay. Um, but w- what I tried to do in, in my parish is lead my people closer holiness to God. And so... Um, these issues don't come up except in the periphery, you know, and I have to mention certain kinds of things. But we keep the focus on uh, Jesus Christ and conforming ourselves to his will. And that's what I intend to do, you know, as long as I possibly can.
0: Father Peter Williams, thank you so much for standing for truth, standing for your the rights of your parishioners and for yourself to uh, refuse... What your conscience tells you is, uh, you know, an abortion tainted uh, vaccine, which is morally uh, very, very harmful indeed. God bless you, Father. Thank you for your encouragement. God bless you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to LifeSiteNews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSight News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.